The offseason continues as we wait to see what the Canucks will do next. It is Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. I'm Jamie Dodd, joined as always, or usually, I mean, there were a few weeks, uh, a few days earlier this week, you weren't here, Drancer, but joined as always by Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who of course also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. AvenueMachinery.ca. Another two-hour edition here today on an hour early, and I'm all uh, I'm all discombobulated as a result. It's shocking to me how much difference an hour has made to my internal clock drance. So uh, I, I might need to to get you wound up and and let you go on a rant here at some point so I can catch my breath. Well, that's easy. That's easy. I mean, start start by taking a shot at my attendance record. How about that, Jamie? My goodness. Come on, man. Look, I'm in a, I'm, I'm, I'm in a dark room, unable to even watch television, and you're taking shots. I strive Ridiculous. I strive to be just accurate, factually accurate as a broadcaster, Drancer, and I, I just caught yeah, myself I, there. You're but, so negative. <laughs> that's me. That's me. Uh, Andy Cole, A-Dog, is here uh, producing the show, and we were, we were chatting... Um, we were chatting in the prep room just before we came on air and said we might have to like have a contest. We don't have a prize to give away, unfortunately, but have a contest for the listeners. Just like send in a text that will will trigger Drance, and and we'll see what the what the like the yeah it's trigger Drance Friday the most triggering text. <laughs> we, we need we a can... stinger for it, like trigger Drance <laughs> yeah, Friday. Exactly. So that's I mean, so, that's I mean, something that, that Andy and I were easy. toying with. That sounds easy. Anyone can win. It's, we're gl- I'm, l- I'm glad we don't have prizes because everyone would win. It would be like <laughs> Oprah. Like, you get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. There's so much that upsets me. I know. It's, uh, it's truly fish in a barrel. 650-650 uh, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So if you do have any thoughts uh, that you think might get uh, Drance wound up, you can send them in, and we'll we'll see. We'll see who can do the best job of it today. Maybe we'll get to that a little later. But, you know, it's interesting, Drance. We're at that point on the NHL schedule, and obviously, you know, a couple weeks uh, offset from what we're normally used to with the July 1st free agency starting point. But we're at that point now where, you know, you're getting a lot of the from from the big national insiders. Okay, I'm at the cottage. Bye. See you guys. I'll, I'll talk to you in September. What Usually this is where the news really dies down. But and this is not just from a Canucks perspective. I and mean, when we talked at length yesterday, it feels like there's still dominoes to fall. Like we're still waiting for that next move that will really help us kind of frame what we've seen already from the Canucks. But I think even league-wide, it still feels like there's a lot to unfold and a lot that could happen uh, in the next little bit here in the offseason. And I mean, first and foremost, I'm looking at it, two of the three most high-profile free agents in this cycle, Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg, are still out there. They're still on the market. They're still very much free agents. So I'm not sure it's quite the, okay, you know, we're, we're two or three days into free agency, Time to wrap it up, and we'll we'll take stock in September. It doesn't feel quite as much like that as it usually would at this point, at least to me. I think you're right. Uh, when you look through just the positioning of teams around the league, too, it's not just the Kadri and Klingberg, the the best defenseman and the best centerman who are still uh, available on the market in free agency. 19 separate RFAs, still unsigned. 119. 
And as we know, every one of those contracts is a possible pressure point to stimulate a deal, right? Uh, And the contrast there is that while there's a ton of work still to be done by the NHL's 32 member clubs, there's really only 14 teams with a, a fair bit of flexibility to pull it off. You know, you look down the front page of Cap Friendly and 18 teams are within 5 million of the upper limit. Right now, like two days into free agency, we've got hundreds of UFAs remaining, some top UFAs. We've also got 119 qualified players who still have to put pen to paper here. And there's just not a ton of money in the system. All of which brings us back to what we were talking about yesterday a little bit, right? Which is that while there may be another domino to fall, uh, an, another shoe to drop. Who's dropping shoes, by the way? Why Why do we say that there's another shoe to drop? Like, it is an absolutely fantastic where, where question. Where is that shoe? I don't know. Where is that shoe falling from? Like, why, why are you? Why don't you secure your shoes and carry them carefully? Why, or why aren't you wearing them? Why, like, why the, would you drop it in the first place? Why did the first one drop? And why is there a leg that we're waiting for the second one to drop? Right? Why didn't they drop in right. quick in quick succession? I don't know. These are all questions we don't have the answer to. Yeah. Why didn't you gently drop them like a normal person? Anyway, with regards to the Canucks, to to come back to a foot thing, right? They're kind of on the back foot in terms of being able to thread the needle, right, and and sort of wiggle their way into a deal that maybe sheds some salary or upgrades their defense core, right? Because they're among those teams. In fact, they're, they're at the very top of the list of teams that are already over the cap, Granted, they've got Furland going on LTI, so it's a little deceptive. They they probably have about a million, million and a million, one point four in flex as I see it. But you know, it's not going to be simple for the Canucks to insert themselves into into some of these talks to be a potential outlet, uh, a release valve for which another team might pay to solve their problems. Instead, the Canucks are among the teams with problems. Uh, the back end in particular and a lack of cap flexibility, you know, those being the headline items. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the teams that are really poised to be active uh, are, are the teams at the bottom of the, you know, money committed for next year, right? And that, that's a lot of your usual sucks, suspects, you know, Arizona, Buffalo, but also some interesting teams that are down there, right? That, you know, might have designs on being pretty good next year. Calgary, because of Johnny Gaudreau leaving. Now they still have to sign uh, Matthew Kachuk, but they do have a lot of flexibility right now in this moment. They have some other RFAs to deal with as well. The Devils, we know they're trying to take a big step forward. They've still got a bunch of cap space out there, right? The Jets, the Senators have been very active. There are teams that have kind of put themselves in a position to to make moves, but as we have seen so often, you know, it costs money typically, or it costs assets to be able to get some of that money off your books. You know, even those teams I just listed, yeah, they have flexibility, but that doesn't mean they're eager to commit it to inefficient contracts that other teams have, right? Like typically what they do is they, you know, they weaponize that cap space, they hold it hostage and they try to get something uh, back in return. So there, there is this significant gap between the teams that really need, as you said, have those problems to solve and teams that might be in a position to help them do it. And it just feels like we haven't seen... We haven't seen any really movement like those those parties, those camps aren't really talking to each other. Or at least they haven't consummated any deals yet. And I don't think we really have a sense for what that landscape is going to look like. And even what the prices are going to be at this point, now that the dust has settled on free agency and teams have a, you know, a, a much better idea of what they're looking at. 
as you said, there's a lot of movement to happen, but it feels like a bit of a stalemate around the league right now. Well, and even a team like New Jersey, right? They have, it looks like they have 15-ish million in cap space, but some of that's going to go to Jesper Bratt, who Mm -hmm. will probably file for arbitration, right? Some of that will go to Miles Wood, who will file for arbitration. Some of that will go to Jesper Bockvist, who was really good for them last season, by the way, right? And then Vitaly Vanacek, their new goaltender. And so by the time that's all said and done, you're looking at far closer to 8 million, right? But, but... You know, so some of that cap space gets spoken for by the RFAs we're discussing. And that's an important thing to note, right? There's flexibility in the system, but less than it seems when you look at it, which only sort of adds to the prices that teams with space can demand to, you know, offer their services as as lubricators on the trade market, right? And that's uh, that's a really tough spot. Like, this sort of goes back again. To where Vancouver is, right? Where you've kind of built your team, you're pressed up against the cap, other than value shopping for another Christian Wallenin-type defender. And I saw the Canucks signed him uh, a nice two-way deal. He uh, confirmed the, well, I mean, the team confirmed it, but he he noted that he was excited for the opportunity on Twitter today. Uh, you know, nice depth player. He'll great for the club in Abbotsford. Like, it's the type of signing they need, but... I still think if you're the Canucks, you've got to be thinking, like, can we find a guy who can project to at least be a somewhat credible fill-in in the top four when we need it? Like, that's what this team needs. And I don't know that you can – you just – you don't have the space to conduct that business at this point without finding a team to help you. And that's a tough spot to be in two days into the offseason. The other thing with so much of that money kind of being earmarked towards RFAs eventually and so many RFAs out there is, as we know all too well in Vancouver, when do RFA deals typically happen, Drancer, right? It's it's usually not, you know, three days after unrestricted free agency opens. It's either, depending if they're arbitration eligible, it's, you know, closer to that date. Or if they're not ARB eligible, if they're coming off their entry level deal, it's closer to training camp frequently, right? So it's a stalemate and there's all that money that is kind of earmarked to be spent, but hasn't been spent. And maybe we don't know exactly when it will be spent. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, it could last for a little bit here. There, there's again, as we've seen over and over here in Vancouver with Besser and Pedersen and Hughes and go down the list of, uh, of RFAs, those deals don't necessarily happen quickly, right? There's not a lot of impetus for teams and players uh, to get those deals done in a hurry. So as much as there is a lot of business that still needs to be to happen, now that we're past those kind of official deadlines, official pressure points, it's also the kind of thing, like this stalemate could linger for, for a few weeks here, at, at the very least. Uh, one would think, yeah. I mean, I think we're probably going to set in settle in to some stasis here after Klingberg and Kadri come off the market anyway, right? I mean... For this weekend anyway, and and I mean, maybe these deals get done, but for this weekend anyway, you know, there's enough high-end players still in unrestricted free agency that you'd expect some movement in the next little bit, right? And there's, there's sort of lingering situations like Patrice Bergeron, right, which will right. have echoes uh, elsewhere in terms of how it changes the Boston Bruins' position. Um there's still some pretty good players out there too, right? It's not just those two, though they're the headliners. Like, surely someone's going to give P.K. Subban a look, right? Surely a guy like um, 
a Calvin DeHaan or a Victor Rask, like, oh, like Paul Stasny. Like, Nino, Nino these guys are gonna. Uh, he's, yeah. he, he's a really good player. <laughs> he's a really good player. So there's still talent available. Um, well, the other the other thing the that Canucks stands are another team. Yeah, the other thing that stands out to me, Drance, is remember the wave of you know guys who are going to be RFAs that didn't get qualified. So many yep. of those guys are still out there, right? You just you go yeah, down the Milano. list. Of, you know, Danton Heinen, Sonny Milano, Sam Steele, Rem Pitlick, right? Like a lot of those guys that kind of made people perk up and say, "Oh, interesting, he's going to hit the market." They're still very, very much out there, right? And I, I do think, and again, who, who knows if the Canucks will be in a position to really uh, make the most of it? But we're getting into, I think, especially once Kadri and Klingberg sign. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a little flurry of activity around the league after that, right? As teams wait to see what happens there. And, you know, it's not just the teams that might be interested in those players. It's It, it has a ripple effect around the league. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see a flurry of movement after those guys sign. And, I mean, who knows when that is? We're not exactly hearing that things are imminent on either one. Haven't heard a lot on that front, to be honest, since, uh, since free agency opened. And and then I think there are going to be some real opportunities, you know, both on the the guys who are supposed to be RFAs, the younger players that I just listed. But, you know, there's some other interesting names. I mentioned Zach Aston Reese, right, who's uh, who's a UFA, you know, Callie Yarncroc. Uh, there, there are some Tyler Mott is still out there, right? Uh, there, there are going to be some bargain hunting yeah. opportunities. And I think the Canucks, as of right now, could do a little bit of that, like maybe add one more kind of bottom six forward name. But there's two things. One, they're not in a position to do much more than that. And then the other thing is you look at the list of potentially interesting bargain candidates, it's all forwards. There's not a lot of defensemen out there. Like the defenseman market, if you're looking to do it in free agency, it has dried up. You're not going to go bargain bin shopping in all likelihood on the blue line. Well, Dahan... Dahan and PK Subban would be sort of the two names that that stand out as like guys you could at least see giving a look to in more than a bottom pair role, right? Uh, Dahan had some injury issues or has had some injury issues over the last couple of years, but he's a guy capable of playing both the left and the right side. I th- thought he looked pretty good in Chicago when I saw him yesterday uh, last year. Um, I, you know, I, I still think there's something there. So, you know, I, I'm not saying the market's devoid entirely of guys that I think the Canucks would be wise to at least kick tires on. I just don't even know if you can afford to do those types of deals without clearing space first. Like, it feels like it feels like this team needs to clear space before even considering... Well, sorry, they do need to clear space before they even consider, like, a one-year, $2 million flyer on a guy like that. Like, that's where they're at right now. And so... It's tough to understand sort of what options they have remaining aside from trading money out of their lineup. Like that kind of has to come before anything else at this point, which is sort of why we expected it to come before their shopping initially. Right. And uh, obviously that didn't come to pass. Now it kind of feels like they're, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but certainly in a position where, you know, if if you look at the market and say, hey, there's a lot that can still happen. Like for sure, but it feels like the Canucks can't even get into that market unless they pry the door open first. Well, and Patrick Alvin said it himself, I believe, when he was either talking to the media or on uh, on our station with Sat and Reach, and you know said, "Hey, we're going to have to be creative, right?" And 
that's that's certainly true. It's it's that yes, things can still happen. I don't think you know no one should take the away that we're saying like this is the roster and it's set and they're not going to be able to do anything else. Their hands are tied, but it is going to require a level of creativity that is not the case for some of those other teams that are farther down the list that have more open cap space. Right, that's the difference. It's it's going to require uh, I don't want to say luck necessarily, but just yeah, a, a little bit more creativity and a little bit more complexity to get those deals done. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Caribou Mark texts in, I wonder if the same guy that can't hold on to his shoes is the same guy that is dragging his feet and causing all this dust that we have to wait to settle. <laughs> Very good question. Very good question. Wow. I, I don't wow. know if I've, 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 I've been using the phrase, you know, waiting for other dominoes to fall, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't know if I've incorporated waiting for the dust to settle into, into uh, my, you know, cycle of cliches. So I might have to add that one. Uh, to the repertoire. Thank you to Caribou Mark. And uh, you'll have to circle back. You'll have to circle back <laughs> to waiting yeah, for the this. dust to settle. Yes, it's dust settling season here. Uh, and our guy A Dog, uh, crack producer here, said he looked up the the etymology of the other shoe to drop. Yeah, because uh, I knew phrasing. I, I knew Dranser would love this. Uh, in the tenements of New York City in the late 19th and early 20th century, apartments were built with bedrooms on top of one another. It was common to hear your upstairs neighbor take off a shoe, drop it, and then repeat the action. It became shorthand for waiting for something you knew was coming. There you go, Drancer. Did I teach you something? You did, yes. Because you, I mean, you're a lot sense. smarter than me, so. People should have just, like, gently put their shoes down, though. Like, why were people hucking culottes in, in 18th century New York? <laughs> well, I don't they're, understand. They're, 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 New, they're New Yorkers, man. You day, know? Long day at, the, brash. Long fast, day fast at the factory or the dock strands. You come home, you don't have the patience to, to gently drop your shoes. You're just kicking those off wherever, no, wherever yeah. they fall. But, but I mean, I, I think it's when you're putting them on. Drance, you tell me you don't get oh, I don't understand. Okay. Drance, you tell me you, you, you get home and you don't just huck your shoes all over the place? You set them no, gently down? no. Yeah, I have a dog. I put them out of reach. <laughs> well, in that case, if it's when they're getting up, then it's you know you're cranky because you have to get up for a long, uh, a long day Fair of enough. work. That, that's that's I what still, I, I still don't. I guess they didn't have they didn't have their Nikes that they care about the way I care about my Nikes. <laughs> no, so there you go. No, they weren't on the sneakers app. Yeah, not a lot of sneakerheads <laughs> in the 18th <laughs> century. To get the I latest think. drop. <laughs> um, Losers. We threw. Uh, <laughs> We threw this one out there as well. Uh, you know, send us something that you think might get uh, get Drance a little wound up on a Friday here. Some good ones. Some good ones have come in, and keep them coming. Six fifty. Uh, Six fifty. Right, let's go. We'll, we'll start with let's this go. one. This, we'll start with this, this is my one. like Hulk test. This, right. I'm going to try not to turn. This is from Scott, and I love this one. This is like this is when you know your brand is strong, Drance. Maxime Mammon is a pedestrian level player, and he and he signed hashtag hashtag wind up Drance. No, that's correct. That's true. It's all just right. That, all right. It, it's just that he's good value. Unfortunately, he's extended his deal in the K, right? So he can't come over. But um, but yeah, I mean, no, I've never been. I've never said Maxim Ammon's like a, a difference maker. It's that I like him as an affordable, fast, tough fourth line guy, right? So okay, so we're, yeah, no, that's right. We're that's 0 for correct. one. We're 0 for one here. All right. Uh, yes. <laughs> Kyle from the island, and I think this was uh, specifically to wind you up. He didn't, he didn't hashtag it or anything, but given judging by the content, I'm guessing that's what he was going for here. He says, the Canucks need to sign JT Miller to a big contract, and when they finally make it to their competitive window, trade him away to Arizona with a first-round pick to get him off the books. That's from, <laughs> Kyle, that's from Kyle from the island. Um, good plan. Good plan. That sounds like it'll work. Let's... Uh... Let's see how let's see how this one plays out. Sounds like a good bit of business. Uh, another yeah. one that love came... <laughs> those deals. <laughs> There's nothing like desperately. I mean, I will say, 
what was Philadelphia thinking? Not like, okay, we're, we're not willing to trade our first round pick to get off of James Van Riemsdyk. Okay. Aren't you, weren't you basically, wouldn't you have basically have been trading your first round pick for Johnny Gaudreau for the right to sign Johnny Gaudreau? And isn't that a deal you make 10 times out of 10? Am I, am I out of my mind here, Drance, for thinking that was a completely bizarre decision on Philadelphia's part? Well, or you could just not extend Rasmus Ristolainen a year ago and then not trade for and sign Anthony D'Angelo and then not give, uh, a, what was it, four years of term to, like, they spent almost $8 million on yeah. Nicholas Delorier and Anthony D'Angelo and then are like, we don't have the cap space. <laughs> it's like, it's like, are you trying to find the guy who did this? Like, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Chuck Fletcher, but I, I'm pretty sure you're the guy driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile here. <laughs> that was, yeah, that is an all-timer, an absolutely all-timer of an offseason. Like, franchise-level player begging to come play for you, begging to come home and play for you, and instead it's uh, it's Tony D'Angelo and Nick Delorier, and you won't give up a pick to get off of James Van Riemsdyk. That's a tough one. Woof. That's an extremely yeah. tough one. Brutal. Um, this one from uh, Adam, the former bath guy, who says, Trigger Durant's Friday, the Ottawa Senators will finish with a better record than the Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. And uh, and again, I uh, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> let's pump the brakes on the Senators here. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm open, I'm open to the idea that the Senators are going to be close to the playoff mix. Like, I think they're a real wild card bid. I think they have a real chance of being a wild card team, but I don't think they're going to finish ahead of Toronto or Florida. No, like, no, they're not going to. They're just not going to. I'm sorry. No, that would be uh, that people would be are like surprising. people are like pointing to the strength of the team being their top six. And it's like still the fourth best top six in their own division. You know, like that division is murderer's row. I'm sorry. They're not among those teams yet. But uh, I like what they did. <laughs> hey, they had an incredible offseason, right? And uh, I mean, another um, another. I piece still of think it- the Debrinket deal is riskier than people realize, though. Well, Everyone's talking about this, the, the, the Debrinket deal like this massive home run. Guy has a $9 million qualifying offer after next year. So here's the thing. $9 million. It is absolutely a risk. Right, and, and I think the the instant question of will he resign totally valid, totally fair, right? And there's a ton of risk associated with that. I also think it made total sense for that team to take that swing, right? For the team to just try to like get out of the mud. Okay, hey, new ownership, uh, you know, obviously in different circumstances, but still new ownership. We're gonna take this swing and we're gonna do our absolute best to get him to resign, show everyone that it's different, that we're going to spend money. So it is a huge risk, and like the idea that he might not resign, totally valid, but I also think it makes total sense. Like Ottawa has a tough time acquiring young elite talent like that, right? Uh, other than through the draft. So for them to go out and do it, maybe he doesn't resign, but I respect the swing, and I think it made sense for the Senators. No, but it's, it's not about him resigning. It's about he has to be elite next year, like elite. Now, he's been, he's been extraordinary the last two years, right? Sixth in the NHL in goals the last two seasons. But if he's not at that level again, you're going to be side-eyeing. Like, say he just has a 60-point season, right? Which is very good, right? Like, 30 goals, 30 assists, remarkable year, right? You're staring at a $9 million qualifying offer for a 60-point forward. Like, that's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's... That's hallowed ground. That's are we willing to make this guy one of the top 12 played forwards in hockey, right? Like, that's hard. Like, that's a big question that the team's going to have to ask themselves 
So people were looking at it like it was a steal for the Senators. And it's like the Senators might be 12 months out from asking themselves a, some really tough questions about this player. I, I, I just think we the, the analysis of that trade has understated the, um, the, the risk that the Senators took on there, in my view. I love I, the player. I like what they did. I don't think they've caught Toronto and Florida. No. But, uh, but that deal in particular, I think, is misunderstood in terms of the risks that they've taken on. All right. We will, uh, we will put a pause on that. We're going off on some tangents here thanks to the wind-up Drance text, which I'm very much enjoying. We have some, some cracking ones coming in uh, to the inbox, Drance. So maybe we'll read a few more of those. 650, 650. Keep them coming. Uh, we'll also look ahead. Some other... Interesting things that you might expect on the horizon for the Canucks in this offseason. We'll run through those. Continue to read your text as well. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Canucks Hour podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please do leave us a five-star rating and review. I also forgot to mention at 10 o'clock, just over half an hour, uh, your athletic athletic colleague Harmon Dial will join us. Always enjoy chatting with Harmon, so I'm looking forward to that one. More on the way. It's the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Things in this house are out of this world. This is Petey's house. On the- Welcome back to Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. Jamie Dodd and Canucks insider Thomas Drantz here with you on a Friday morning for another special extended edition of Canucks Hour. And uh, Drantz, uh, we haven't really talked about this, but a little programming note here for everyone. This is the the penultimate, as they say, the second to last edition of Canucks Hour for uh, for this season. We'll, we'll have the rest of the summer off. So what we're going to do, we have this show. Then next week, and I heard Halford and Bruff talking about this in the morning. So Halford and Bruff are doing their show nationally. The People's Show is also going national in the afternoon. So I'll be hosting that with Bick. You'll be on the, on the People's Show for part of it. That'll be Monday to Thursday. And then Friday, we'll have one last two-hour edition of Canucks Hour. And that'll get it wrapped up for the off season. So uh, we'll, we'll have to think of something special to do for that final edition of the year. Maybe another edition of, uh, of, of wind trance up. Cause it, it's a hit so far. The, it, the people are enjoying it. Be, trance. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm going to be pitching in on the national show, which means wall to wall Leafs talk. Let's go. <laughs> Your dream buddy. Leafs. <laughs> Jays. Oh boy. Raptors. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what the Kevin Durant uh, trade was? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bick and I were talking about this the other day. The absolute dream, the absolute dream is that Kevin Durant is traded to the Raptors while we're on air, while a a bunch of jokers from Vancouver (laughs) are on the air in Toronto drive time radio. It would be absolutely amazing. Have we decided on the name, though? Is it Wine Drance up Friday? Is it Trigger Drance? I think think people are, uh, people are, 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 um, Latching on to wind up Drance or wind Drance up. So one of those. I All like right. wind up Drance. Wind up Drance. That yeah. flows off the tongue better. Yeah. So so look, look, wind up Drance makes me feel like a toy, right? Like an old school toy. Like, you know, like I'm <laughs> like going to walk. Like you pull my... the rope or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my, my legs akimbo just sort of like <laughs> <laughs> dropping all sorts of shoes. Um. So let's uh let's go with this. Okay. I'm ready. I'm in my I'm in my like Marvel superhero sensory deprivation chamber. I'm gonna try not to hulk out. Let's let's g- give give me give me like four or five more. All okay? right. So obviously, obviously, we we've got um, a host of 
Florida Panthers related ones. Because again, like the the brand is no, strong. Those aren't going to work. Those the aren't br- going to work. The brand is strong. So we have uh, the success of the Florida Panthers is a complete fluke. Uh, from from Sparky. Jay Fid says the Panthers did a poor job of building their roster. Ryan on the road says Barkov is overrated. So th- those are yeah, three Florida true. Panthers ones. Now the I, I only mean, the only thing I Barkov will say Barkov is overrated. That's that's the winner so far. Like that one, I was like, no, what? Stop it! The you ol- don't see him play enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just the visceral reaction. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one, that one, that one hurt. That one hit. That one hit me in the solar plexus a little bit. I like that. The only thing I will say, and I'm not saying he's overrated. The only thing I will say is Barkov did this, and this happens to a lot of players. But there, we went through so long of calling him underrated that we had to kind of adjust. We're like, no, no, no. Actually, now we all get it. We all get how good he is. He's not underrated anymore. Still really good. Not saying he's overrated. But at a certain point, it did get a little much. We had to retire the, you know, Alexander Barkov is the most underrated player. If, if everyone's talking about how incredible you are and how underrated you are, you cease to be underrated at that point, Rance. And that definitely happened to uh, to Barkov. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a tank of a man who's never on the wrong side of the puck and produced at 100 point per 82 game pace this year. Like, <laughs> at some point, you're right. You, you stop being overrated. And you stop being underrated. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. This one. Oh, sorry. What did I say? You said you, you stop being, being overrated. overrated. Yeah. Yeah. He can't. He literally. It's not possible for him to be overrated. He's so good. There we go. Uh, this one from Lee says the Canucks should go into the season exactly how the roster is and sneak into the playoffs because anything can happen. In the playoffs, oh, hashtag wind up. No, France. that one is. Oh, that, that one, that one hits. That one hits. No, no, I'm, I'm that. That can't be the plan here. Like, please tell me that's not the plan here. I, I will be so disappointed if that's really what the organization is hoping to achieve because they could do it. I mean, they could very much do it. They're for sure a true talent, you know, somewhere between seventh and 10th best in the conference. Right. Which means, yeah. You could see them sneaking into the playoffs. You could even see them winning around. But, man, that's the ceiling. Like, that is absolutely the ceiling. And considering all the pain that this market has endured, uh, we deserve so much better than that. Like, we, as Vancouverites, deserve a team with loftier ambitions than something that hokey, that, you know, um, worthless in terms of in terms of a, a level of ambition from this organization. I think that would be a, a real shame. That upsets me, yeah. You're right. that <laughs> that, me. So that's the winner. I mean, that one was from Lee. That has moved into pole position here. And again, we're not giving away a prize, so don't get your hopes up. But you do get the uh, the prestige of knowing that you won the competition for today. Yeah. Again, any, anything, anything can't happen. <laughs> anything can't happen. It cannot. It cannot happen. Like, come on. Oh, we man. saw it. We saw it. We saw Colorado. You think... You think this team, as constructed, can hang with that team in a playoff series? You know they can't. You know they can't. Already. We already know they can't. So, yeah, anyway, make make the changes to build a team like that, please. Now, I will say, I don't have a problem if the plan is to compete for the playoffs. If the plan is to compete for the playoffs because you think you have an equal chance of winning the Stanley Cup as all the other teams in the playoffs, that I have a problem with. But I don't have a problem with, all right, hey, we like our roster. We're going to push really hard to try to get into the playoffs. Now, if you were if you were to say, well, and therefore we're not trading JT Miller, okay, that's another discussion. Then I do have a problem with that. Yeah, but well, the, I don't have a problem that's with how that. That's how that story ends. That story ends with you either losing, uh, you know, the the problem is the problem is is that if you're going to see the 
if you're going to take this core group's next season to its logical endpoint, it you know it ends the story ends with a bunch of players getting more expensive on the other side and you having to further diminish the quality of the supporting cast. Um, for what? For what? Like the team's not good enough to be in a position where you're doubling down on it, in my view. And so, yeah, that one, that one, I think would be if that's really what's going on here. If that's really the plan. I think Canucks fans should be very upset. I don't think it is, uh, but I, I don't I, either. I, I don't understand either. why it would make people upset, but yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the plan. Or at the very least, we don't have nearly enough evidence uh, to to it's say not it, plan that's the A plan. anyway. Yeah, for sure. Uh, wind up Drance from Minor Matt. The Luongo cap recapture penalty was totally justified. No, that's not true. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into that. That's not true, though. It was shameful. It was uh, it was not good. Uh, and a final one that uh, it, it, sorry, a go ahead. joke, an absolute joke. No, just a just a joke. One of one of the worst one of the worst rules in the history of professional sports. And I like that they never specified that that there was a credit, so the Edmonton Oilers will not get a credit for the Duncan Keith thing because the concept of a credit existing doesn't exist as the rule is spelled out within the CBA. However, the formula that's spelled out would would imply that this credit should exist. So it's like they literally designed a formula that even on its own terms can't stand up to the way it's laid out in the CBA. Like, it's hackneyed in every single respect. Like, they had to change it because it threatened the operational impact or the operational uh, solvency, effectively, of multiple franchises. Um the, the rule's not written in a way that's enforceable. You know, you go up and down the list. There's no part of it, no part of it that has ever made a lick of sense. Shameful. Truly one of the worst bits of sports administrative work ever in, in the history of North American pro sports. And uh, and one final one before we move on here uh, that's actually not hockey related. Could be targeted at both of us, actually, for that matter, Drance. It says, uh, hashtag wind up Drance. The Mariners are by far BC's favorite team everyone's talking tough when you're on an 11 game winning streak come on come on we all know who bc's team is and it is certainly certainly not the seattle mariners uh all right i don't think they're ever gonna lose again though (laughs) (laughs) yeah this (laughs) it's a golden age that will never end for the seattle mariners starting right now anyways look I have nothing against the Mariners. Congrats on the eleven game win. Streak, I do, but uh, but we'll we'll check in again in September and see how it's going. I do. No one no one loves smoke and mirrors like Mariners fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, this is this is the open call. Continue to uh, do your best to antagonize uh, our guy Drance here. Uh, you know, wind up Drance is what we're calling it. Let's see, let's see who can get the best, most visceral, negative reaction out of Drance. I think the winner in the clubhouse is. Uh, that anything can happen and the Canucks should uh, should go for the playoffs. Yep. So that that's the leader. See if you can outdo that. We'll get back into it throughout the course of the show. But as I, I mentioned, go ahead. I, I it, it's not it's not that you shouldn't be aspiring to make the playoffs. It's that you have to have a bigger picture plan. You know, like yeah. If the if the plan is if the plan is sign six million dollars worth of bottom six forwards to make the playoffs, man, that is not good enough. Like that is an out that is an outrage to me. That would really upset me. I don't think that's what they're doing. Otherwise, I would be even more critical of the moves that the club has made over the past two weeks, right? I think there's a sense that it's going to take longer to turn this club around than than they expected. I think that's sort of why we're sitting here. I think there's at least a clear-eyed understanding of where this team is at. So I'm not completely losing it 
at, at the club's lack of trade activity leading up to free agency and then their spending on forwards that I consider to be bottom six caliber. But, man, if that is the plan, <laughs> that is abysmal. <laughs> that is something that people should be really upset about. You can opinion. tell that one. Um, you can tell that one really worked because you had to double dip. <laughs> I know. I'm still. I'm still shook. <laughs> you had to go back I'm to the well. We're like, hold on. I got more to say here. I've got more just, to say here. I just so desperately want more from this organization. Like for the fans in this market, for the people I love who love this team. Like I just want more than that as a, a modus operandi like i really think a lot of this organization's issues stem from that type of short-term thinking and you know high level organizational misunderstanding of, of what it takes to win in this league and you know i don't think that that misunderstanding applies to new management i i, I think that they know that the task at at, at hand is going to take some time so so i don't think that's what they've done but if if you want to spin that that's what they've done, man, I, I really think they've fallen short then. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to give them more time before I uh, before I truly believe, um, you know, th- those part- that particular demon line of reasoning. <laughs> uh, 650, 650 again is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, so keep your thoughts coming in. Keep your wind-up Drant submissions coming in. Uh, we're going to connect with your athletic colleague, Harmon Dial, uh, in about 15 minutes' time, lots to get into with him. But as I mentioned, I did want to run through some of the other things that are on the horizon for the Canucks as we sit here on July 15th. You know, haven't we saw the, the the signings on free agency day? Haven't seen the expected moves that a lot of us were anticipating going in to the off season. What else could still be in the offing for the Canucks? You know, between now and basically training camp in September. And the one that obviously jumps out to me is the the Bo Horvat extension, right? And, and it would not surprise. That feels like other than, you know, Miller and all that that we've discussed, that's the next big piece of business on the agenda for the Canucks. And I don't want to get into an argument about exactly what the, the details of that deal should be, right? The term and the AAV. But obviously it's going to tell us a lot, right? What it looks like is going to tell us a lot about the flexibility. I think it'll tell us a lot about the direction of this team and I also think that just it, let's say the next week an extension for Bo Horvat gets done, and we're but we're still pretty much status quo with the rest of the roster. I also think it's just going to be a really important opportunity for as, as a messaging opportunity for the Canucks, right? To to tell us more, not just by virtue of what the contract itself itself looks like, but to actually come out and say. We signed Bo Horvat to this extension because he he fits in with our plan in these ways, right? This is what our plan is, and this is why we need to have Bo Horvat around to do it. I think it, especially because we are still kind of sitting here asking questions about what the direction of the team is, the, the Horvat extension kind of looms even larger to me because it's a chance to get out in front uh, of the media, get out in front of your fans and say, this is how it fits into the plan. This is what we're doing. This is what we want to happen as a result of that extension. So obviously the term is going to be really important. The the AAV, obviously really important. But I also just think, what do we learn? What do they tell us about, about the direction of the team? And what does the Horvat contract tell us is going to be really fascinating to see if it does come to fruition here in the next little bit. A really good point. It's also one that's going to immediately upset the apple cart in terms of dynamics, right? I mean, we all know how large JT Miller looms as a personality within this organization, right? And all of a sudden you extend Bo Horvat with some sort of long-term pact 
and you go into next season and you've got your captain committed to the organization long term and JT Miller, this club sort of like, you know, informal metronome, right? Like the, the pace setter for the club um, without that done, having been in trade rumors, right? With only one year remaining on his deal. It's, it's you know, I we talked about this a little bit this week, like the idea that you can send a strong message, a message that resonates among players with how how and who you pay and when, right? And and paying Horvat before the season, locking him up, getting him committed before the season, I think is also one way that you can say, send a message to a group of players like, this is the guy. This is the guy, right? I, I You know, it doesn't matter who's putting up the points. It doesn't matter who's got the loudest voice. This is the guy. And that's sort of an interesting dynamic here, too. And it'll be interesting to see how that impacts things going into the season. Yeah, it's, it, that's the thing. It's um, we're going to I think we're, it'll tell us a lot. And it will really the other thing is, look, I've never bought into the idea that it's, you know, maybe they trade Miller or maybe they trade Bo Horvat. Right. But if you sign him to an extension, then that's really off the table. Right. And then you are looking at a situation where if you sign Horvat to an extension this summer, but you're still hoping to find a way to bring JT Miller back, well, then all of a sudden you are inching really, not even just inching, you're getting a lot closer to the double down on everyone scenario, right? And and if you do sign the Horvat to an extension in the next couple of weeks here, I don't know that it puts more pressure on you to do a JT Miller trade, but all of a sudden, again, if you if you get into a spot where you know you're thinking, man, I don't know if the right trade is out there. We go, maybe we have to you know move a little bit to extend him. You're going to have so much money committed to your future cap, right? And again, I don't know that it's it's one or the other, like like a lot of people have framed it. But it just again, a Bo Horvat extension would just push the needle even more than it already is towards. You probably have to trade JT Miller because it's really hard to see how extending both of them is going to work in the future. Well, and then one thing that's interesting is the Canucks don't have, you know, a ton of RFAs. Like, there's no arbitration-eligible RFAs. There's none of that, like, sort of small potatoes August news that we might expect, aside from one key RFA. Like, basically, actually, I think maybe their only RFA remaining unsigned is Michael DiPietro. Mm -hmm. And we know that the Canucks signed Colin Delia, right? Yep. There's Arthur Silovs down on the farm. Um, a lot of stuff out there within the industry expectations that the the Canucks and DiPietro's camp have some some kind of mutual understanding that a fresh start might be best for all involved. How does this one get sorted out, right? Among the other uh, dropping shoes, among the <laughs> litany of dropping shoes that the Canucks are, are working through as we get into the dog days of the NHL offseason, Mike DiPietro's status is the one unsigned restricted player. Uh, it, you know, looms large and, and is fascinating, especially because we've seen how hot, relatively speaking, the goalie market is. DiPietro still has that, you know, uh, Canada U-20 mm-hmm. starter Sheen didn't have the best season last year, but he's got a really good AHL season under his belt at the age of 21. Um, you know, I not a, not a situation where the Canucks are going to give a guy away. And so how does this one get resolved in the months ahead? Is there a bidder out there? Uh, or is DiPietro part of a larger deal? How exactly does this one sort itself out? 
prior to training camp opening. The other interesting thing about it is, you know, when when Alvin spoke about the Delia signing, he said plan is to have two goalies. We're not we don't want to have three goalies in Abbotsford, but we want it to be a competition. Now, as you said, there is certainly an expectation out there that it's probably Di Pietro the most likely to leave of the of the goalies they have that figure in Abbotsford, but I do wonder if, you know, we even seen the Canucks sign Di Pietro, right? Resolve the RFA situation and then closer to training camp, trade him to another team, right? And as your point to your point about could he be part of a larger deal? As we get farther into the offseason, and I think the likelihood of the Canucks needing or perhaps even being willing to attach a sweetener to move another contract, that probably increases. And I don't know if DiPietro, you know, how much how much of a sweetener that is, how much it encourages a team to take on whatever contract or how many millions, I'm not sure. But I, I would wonder if the Canucks would have more stomach for that to use DiPietro as the carrot in a deal as opposed to, you know, a second round draft pick, a draft pick in the future of some sort. If because of the goalie depth they have now, they they view Di Pietro as a piece that would maybe make sense to use in that kind of way. Yeah, I, I'd keep my eye on that situation. I, I feel like that one gets resolved before training camp. And then also one thing that's coming on the horizon before training camp, Jamie, is the Penticton Young Stars tournament. And I want to just note for our listeners before we go to break, right? So, uh, packages go on sale at 10 a.m. So seven minutes from now, All right. you're able to buy. You're able to buy your tournament packages. There's uh, different grades. You can buy a full tournament package. Uh, it's 95 bucks. There's also weekender packages that come with additional perks, Herschel duffel bags and, and the like, and then VIP packages, which of course come with all sorts of perks. Uh, so check that out um, if you're interested. It's the best week of hockey of the year. Like I can't wait to go up there just because you know i watch a game at one i write a story at two or i'm done i'm done and i'm done and dusted by four i'm, I'm at a winery eating dinner <laughs> by uh by 6 a 6 p.m um you know wake up the next day i'm on a boat at 10 a.m and i'm at the rink again at one it's the best like it's the best a great experience a ton of fun and you can get your all six games packages starting in Five minutes. There you go, Drance the uh, Drance the salesman. I love it. Uh, p- pitching the <laughs> pitching the Young Stars tournament. I want and- a good. I want a good environment, man. It's it's a great facility up there. Like honestly, this event is one of this one of the things this organization has done best when it's run, which has been intermittently over the past what I guess fifteen years now. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a really it's a really cool event uh, overall. I'd love to see it be. Uh, packed. I'd love to see it be a ton of fun this year. I think there's going to be a ton of interest uh, since it is coming back after a little bit of a hiatus. So I agree. If you go get your tickets, it's going to be a ton of fun in Penticton in September. Maybe you can uh, you see, you can see Drance and, and try to wind him up in person there in Penticton uh, as Please well. Do. <laughs> uh, we got to take a break here. Harmon Dial of the Athletic will join us. Continue the Canucks conversation. That's up next. You've got it on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.